for the Athletic Podcast Network. This is the update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Bruce Jenkins, columnist for the San Francisco Chronicle, about how you go about voting for an MVP award getter, maybe a Cy Young award getter, especially in a season where some of the best players are on teams that aren't going to the postseason. How much does winning play a factor in trying to win or casting a vote for the MVP of that year? We can talk Shohei Otani. We'll talk Vladdy Guerrero Jr., who may end up winning the Triple Crown and not get a first-place vote. These are all things we can talk about with Bruce Jenkins of the San Francisco Chronicle, who joins me next. Today is Monday, September 20th. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the podcast for the first time in a while, Bruce Jenkins. And I feel like having Bruce Jenkins on is great because, yeah, you can go anywhere. We can talk all sorts of baseball with him. But also, outside of Barry Bloom, Bruce, I think you're maybe our West Coast Shohei Otani uh, expert. You're our best guy to get some Shohei Otani takes on, man. How are you, Bruce? I'm good. I think I've run out of superlatives on that guy, but... um... It's such an amazing story, Otani, and you know we almost take it for granted now. Well, he he hit a 478 foot homer and he struck out 12. You know, and, and in other news, well, crazy. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I've been I've been talking to people about what happens when he's a free agent in a couple of years. Like, what's the one? What does he get on the open market? Because they finally took the bubble wrap off this year, and we're getting a look at at what he can do in a full season. And some some bad news actually. Late last week, uh, he's got some some arm soreness or some arm trouble, so it looks like they're going to shut him down. For pitching i don't think that's going to hurt his mvp candidacy we'll talk about that in in just a second but i sort of view him as like if you were if he was going to hit the open market if you decided you wanted to make him even as an american league team maybe a national league team an everyday designated hitter which dh could be coming to the nl but i also wonder if you decided to make him a reliever or a closer if you would get more out of him as a pitcher because then you don't have to bubble wrap him or uh, or to to be careful about how how tired he is to come out and throw 100 pitches and then get in there for four at bats what do you think about him as a reliever slash DH next time around when he gets a new contract. That's very intriguing. He's very into a routine. He's very, very rigid as far as his preparation before the game. And, you know, when it comes to a reliever, it's a whole lot different. Unless you know that you're the ninth inning guy or maybe the eighth and ninth inning guy, it, you know, it's hard to, to do all the things you want to do before you take them out. And maybe he could make that adjustment easily. Everything else he's been able to handle. The main thing to me would be, First of all, getting out of the Angel organization is the first great thing that happens to him. I mean, they could bring back Mike Trout and five more Trouts, and they'd still finish 12th out of 10. I mean, this pathetic Artie Moreno operation there. They never get any pitching. They're never relevant. And here's Otani in there. And it should be great. It's Anaheim and everything else, and they got all kinds of money, and they never do a damn thing. So that getting him out of there is, is paramount. And secondly, he's going to need a team with a manager as enlightened as Joe Madden. Joe Madden has basically given Otani the keys. You know, what do you want to do? Are you good to pitch tonight? Are you good to do this and that? There hasn't been any of the, you know, the uh, conservative reluctance about this. Well, we've never seen this before. We're going to limit him to, to 85 pitches. Or maybe we won't even pitch him at all. And that, that's still rampant in the game. He could go to a team that could stifle his potential, and that would be terrible. But I think he'd be smart enough to select a team after scouting them all out that would allow him to continue doing what he's doing. As far as the price on him, assuming that his arm is good, I can't even imagine it, Adam. I mean, we've never seen a guy like this. That You can't put a price on somebody who probably not, but could conceivably win the MVP by traditional standards, that being a, a hitter, and the Cy Young. I mean, what the hell? Yeah. 
what the hell? You don't need another superlative. You just need comments like that. I mean, what the hell? What gifts with yeah. this guy? Yeah, it's it's astronomical to think about uh, what number uh, he could get on the open market. But you're right. He's got to have somebody who's a, a progressive manager, somebody who's who's willing to say, yeah, what are you going to do? And, and you make a good point about stifling his development. He may have, I mean, he may have had, had managers in the past. You're talking Brad Osmus and, and then, of course, Joe Madden over the last couple. But the Angels, despite their best attempts, <laughs> have made him potentially an MVP candidate. In thinking about him as an MVP, and thinking about a guy like Vladdy Jr., who, this is what's so crazy. He may very well win the Triple Crown this year and not get a first-place MVP vote. To me, that's the progression of where baseball has gone, is if you go back to, what was it, 2012, maybe Mike Trout's first full season in the bigs. Remember, he was going to win Rookie of the Year and was an MVP candidate. And I remember all the old-school baseball guys were saying, no, 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 Miguel Cabrera, Triple Crown for the first time since Carl Yastrzemski did it. He's got to be the MVP. All the new-age analytics people were saying, it's got to be Mike Trout. Ultimately, uh, Cabrera wins the MVP. This year is sort of an exact opposite flip of that, where Shohei Otani, based on just his his sheer ability, what he's done at the plate and on the pitcher's mound is incredible. But we're sort of looking at it from an analytics perspective here, where just the home runs, RBIs, and batting average, despite the number of wins his team has, are not enough to win the MVP. What do you think of that potential, where he wins Triple Crown and does not get a first-place vote? Well, if he wins the Triple Crown and he leads Toronto into the postseason with a dramatic last three or four games, he'll definitely get some first-place votes. Not to win it, yeah. but there's no doubt. I mean, I would consider giving him a first-place vote if, if he does all that. He's absolutely monstrous. You know, I mean, you know, the bottom line is that what, what Otani's done is so overriding that just don't think you overcome that, even if you're Vladdy Jr., but he would definitely get some, some first-place um, acknowledgement if Toronto gets in and he's, and he's the reason why. And you make a good point about that. I think that, that alone could get him some of the votes. Do you think in baseball, because I've felt in baseball it's different than – than any other sport. In, in baseball, you can have the best player of all time, like at, at Barry Bonds, and win you know five and seven MVPs over his career and get no World Series. Is winning as important for you, or is it just sort of a is it a qualifier? Is it a notch on the belt for a baseball player? When I had a vote for several years, I always looked at at the teams that that made a difference, that that got into the playoffs, that were dominating, that you that you you had to watch, as opposed to the the teams that sort of fell off, you know, the contention map. And even though they had guys that were really having great years, you just you kind of put them down a notch. But I've never ruled out the possibility of of somebody from a middling team winning it. I think Andre Dawson did that uh, several years ago because he was just he was just so great. It helped that there. I don't think there was a really outstanding you know a candidate to override that so i've never placed uh winning as, as my hundred percent you know criterion for the thing but it's definitely important you know because when you say valuable you automatically think winning so i think it's, right. it's big it's not absolute are you a, a private voter is this something you don't like to share when you when you used to vote for mvps or award getters well when i voted um They'd spread it around among the beat writers. You'd vote for Rookie of the Year, Manager of the Year, MVP some year. I think I, think I voted for MVP maybe three or four times, but I was quite willing to – well, I, in fact, I'd put it in the paper who I was voting for. And, <laughs> but in those days, they, they didn't make public everyone's vote like they do now with right. the Hall of Fame. Right. Sometimes there would some wacky things would happen. Like, what was this guy thinking? He he single handedly robbed so and so, and then that that person's name would always come out. You know, <laughs> uh, get him out of the business. You know. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. 
Let me ask you this. Uh, your, your thoughts on, and this is something that's all, I've always been curious about, you know, uh, 1971, Vita Blue wins the MVP as a pitcher. Uh, you've seen other guys do it. I think, you know, we're talking 2012 Tigers and, and Miguel Cabrera winning the Triple Crown. I want to say it was maybe the year after that or the year before that, uh, Justin Verlander won the pitching Triple Crown. He might have gotten an MVP out of that. I know Clayton Kershaw uh, has, has been – has Clayton Kershaw won an MVP? I think he has, as well, yeah. as, a, as well as a Cy Young. Your thoughts on a pitcher winning the MVP? Never. Never <laughs> in a million years. I don't care who does what. This is why they have the Cy Young, okay? I mean, it's like you're going to give De Niro best actress, too? <laughs> I mean – Oh, the perfect answer, Bruce. The perfect response. The, the MVP is for the everyday guys, and the signing is for the pitchers, period. Yeah. That's it. It's yeah. over. And bring back Rolaids Relief while you're at it. I don't need Gagne <laughs> winning a Cy Young. You know what I mean? That's the last thing I need. So let me ask you about this one. This is one I think you're the perfect person to ask. Kerry Crowley and I uh, do a podcast for KNBR, and we were talking worst MVPs in Cy Young Award winners of all time. This is the one that cracks me up, and, and guys from this generation will tell you that he was totally deserving. Have, have you ever, ever done a dive into Jim Constant? 1950 MVP? Well, I know he had 70 appearances, and for a long time that stood as the most appearances uh, by any pitcher ever. That was the Whiz Kids, uh, the, Phil- the Phillies Whiz Kids. Uh, they won the pennant on the last day of the season on a home run by Dick Sisler and took the Dodgers out of it. So, you know, he and Robin Roberts were the anchors of that pitching staff. He was a big story. I mean, I'm, I'm like two years old, so I wasn't yeah. involved. But, <laughs> but I, you know, I did a lot of, a lot of history. I think. Uh, for that season, I think he, I think his teammate Robin Roberts was probably the, the Cy Young Award winner. But one thing about Jim Constantine, that that's about all he did, you know, really historically. And he, his name looks very weird on the list. Yeah, when I found this MVP a couple of months back, I, I lost my mind. And, I, and he's 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 it's a hysterical. He, he had 22 saves that year. To your point, he, he pitched in 74 games. He had a WHIP of one point yeah. one point oh three is a pretty darn good WHIP. A two point six six ERA was actually better. Obviously, he didn't have enough innings to qualify for the ERA crown, but to Sal Magley won the ERA crown that year at 2.71. What blows me away is, check this out, he pitches uh, 74 games, 152 innings pitch. So he was out there as like a bulk guy. He was going two innings, three innings at a time. Yeah. 56 strikeouts to 50 walks in 152 <laughs> innings, Bruce. <laughs> yeah, I think it was just, it was so stunning that the Phillies won that. When you look at that, you know, they've been terrible for so long, and the, the Dodgers are coming down the stretch, and you know, they got Jackie Robinson and that, that whole right. crew, and and it was so stunning that the Phillies managed to to pull that off. That that you know that people might have gone a little overboard in evaluating what that meant. But uh, rest his soul. I don't know. Maybe he's still with us. I don't he, know. He's not. He actually he passed fairly young. Actually, about twenty years after oh, his, okay. his career passed. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, the Phillies with kids Dell Ennis and Granny Hammer and Robin yeah. Roberts. You were talking about. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Some Richie of the, uh, Ashburn. Yeah, Richie Ashburn. My grandma used to uh, used to uh, from Brooklyn said she used to buy tickets to sit in center field at Ebbets Field when when the, the Phillies would come to town so she could look at Richie Ashburn's butt. That was her uh that was her big thing as like a 19-year-old in Brooklyn back Sometimes then. Sometimes that's really the number one thing you're looking at as a fan is, is the butt, and uh, good for her. <laughs> All right, good deal, Bruce. <laughs> hey, uh, one more thought here on the National League MVP this year. Uh, what do you think? Is, is it Tatis? Is it about what the what happens in the last couple of weeks with the Padres? Is it maybe uh, – I mean, you could end up with the Phillies having the, the runner-up to the Cy Young and the runner-up to the MVP and Bryce Harper and Zach Wheeler. Yeah. What do you think about the National League MVP race? This is sort of a funky one because the Giants and the Dodgers, two of the best teams, don't have the like the number one guy maybe that should win it. I think the Padres have to get into the wild card game for Tatis. I mean, I, I, he's he's the best player in the league, and he had a he had an unassailable case for quite a while, but he just kept getting hurt, and he's missed an awful lot of games. 
I definitely think they have to get in. Otherwise, definitely looking at Harper. He's just been monstrous, absolutely great. I think Muncie really stands out for the Dodgers, among others. But he's, you know, Trey Turner's a hell of a player. I think he's coming in a little late for the Dodgers there. Yeah. But to me, Muncie and Harper kind of stand out. And you know, the Braves, you know, with Freddie Freeman in there. I've always wanted to see Crawford finish in the top five, Brandon Crawford. He's the definition of, a, of an MVP guy because he's a really good two-way player, a difference maker, a veteran, huge impact on winning. He's not going to win it, but he's definitely a factor. So it's really going to be interesting. I'm kind of leaning toward Harper right now. You're right. For Tatis, I think you're right. They've got to play themselves back into it. And if they do, maybe that, uh, that plays a big role, to your point, uh, about Vladdy Jr. getting some votes in the first place spot. It's just too bad for Tyler Rogers. 71 years too late. He, he might have been in the mix. 71 games <laughs> Pissed. <laughs> the Wiz kids would have won it by eight games if they had yeah, Rogers. Yeah, Jim Constanti is uh, rolling over in his grave seeing these big home run hitters get it. So, uh, Bruce, thanks so much, man. We'll catch up with you maybe after the season or into the playoffs, man. Thanks again. You got it, Adam. Anytime. Thanks, man. All right, great stuff there from Bruce Jenkins. He's just one of the best. Make sure you read him in the Chronicle. Uh, the Three Dot Lounge, he's giving you all the good stuff every weekend. And uh, he's, you can also hear him on uh, Giants pregame weekends before every Giants weekend game with Marty Lurie uh, over on KNBR 104.5 and 680. Thank you to Bruce. Thank you to Brian. Thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever it is you're listening. We got to ramp up for week three of the NFL season. It gets going Thursday night. And of course, the 49ers and the Packers Sunday night football this week. We can talk about that as the week progresses. And we'll certainly have to pay attention to what goes on with your San Francisco Giants final road series of the season, road trip of the season. I should say San Diego, a big one this week. And then, of course, Colorado before they come back home and wrap things up in 2021. This really does feel like it's all going to come down to that final weekend of the season. Plenty more to come in the days and weeks ahead. Everybody enjoy the week. We'll talk to you Wednesday.